When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A science story, huh? These NYU scientists, they felt right. And I just thought, well, I figured it out. It was that golden moment. Because science was on my side. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Story Collider, where we bring you true personal stories about science. I'm your host, Eric Jankowski, and this week our theme is evolution. Evolution is a topic near and dear to me because studying it turned me into a programmer. When I was a graduate student, I had a chance crossover with John Holland, who had won a MacArthur Fellowship for his invention of genetic algorithms. These algorithms can be used to model evolution, and I fell in love coding them, working with political scientists, physicists, and even lawyers who were using them to study problems in their fields. But I had focused on chemical engineering specifically to avoid programming computers. And so it was a surprise that evolution helped me find a niche where I could thrive. (sighs) Is there anything gradual changes in a population over millennia can't do? It's in this vein that we'll be hearing two more stories exploring the ever-changing relationships we have with science. Our first story is from Chris Wade. It was recorded at Smitty's Bar in Washington, D.C. in October 2022. The theme that night was letting go. I never really cared much for science. Uh, In fact, for over 45 years, we had this sort of love-hate relationship with very little love. Um, (laughs) And it all started back in elementary school science class. You see, I was raised Catholic, uh, and my parents were like all in. Like, I was an altar boy, my brothers were altar boys, we went to Catholic school. Um, I even dreamed of becoming a priest. Uh, My brothers thought that was taking it a a tad bit too far. But Sister Pat was my elementary school teacher, and she taught religion, and she taught science. And between religion class and being an altar boy and my parents uh, 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 insisting on me being this uh, devout Catholic, um, the teachings about creation and Adam and Eve was embedded in my brain. And then one day in Sister Pat's science class, she talked about anatomy and reproduction, which prompted me to ask Uh, what I thought was one simple question. Uh, Did Adam and Eve have navels? (laughs) So Sister Pat, (laughs) Sister Pat became uh, visibly angry, you know, in like, in a, in a nun kind of way. And so I got sent to the the principal's office. They called my parents. Uh, We didn't live far. So my mom decided she would come up there. And the whole time I'm sitting there like, okay, Sister Pat's the same one that told me that Adam was created from dust and Eve from a rib, and she thought she was just gonna slide this umbilical cord thing in there with nobody noticing it. Um, So when my mom got there, um, she simply said, are you mad at the question, or are you mad at the fact that you can't answer it? 
My mom was cool as hell, <laughs> right? So let's fast forward. Now I'm in Catholic high school, biology class, and things are going cool. And uh, one day the teacher starts coming around the room, handing out tools. She, like, she gave me a scalpel and some forceps. And then she doubled back around with this bucket and she pulls out this dead piglet and sits it on the table in front of everybody. And she proceeds to tell us that we're gonna uh, cut the skull open and expose the brain. And she stressed the importance of being really careful not to puncture the brain. And I'm thinking like, okay, puncturing this pig's brain is probably the least of its concerns right now. Now I didn't say that, but I did have a question. Excuse me. Um, I'm planning in, on becoming a priest and I was just wondering if murdering and butchering these pigs and frogs and crawfish will have any impact on that decision. Um, she became visibly angry and, uh, and I found myself back in the uh, principal's office again. Uh, my mom didn't come up this time, but she did call and she simply said, okay, people are starving in Africa and it sounds like you all are up there playing with food, right? So I told you my mom was cool. So by senior, this is an all boy high school. So by senior year, I was introduced to this new cool thing called girls. Um, so I'm assuming that that uh, anatomy and reproduction stuff that Sister Pat had been talking about had finally caught on, you know. And um, it's about the same time I learned that priests couldn't get married. So I decided that it was time to pursue a new career path. Uh, so without consulting anyone, I decided, you know, I like working with kids. I I'll become a pediatrician. So I went off to college um, and I had been doing well so far, so I didn't get an advisor. And, uh, and that's how I found myself in a zoology class being taught by the Dean of Science. Um, I remember the first day of class, he was like, if you miss two of my classes, you need to drop this course. You know, so I made a point of not ever making eye contact with him in class, you know. And it was a large class. He had the seating chart and everything. And then one day he calls me by name and asked me to come up front. You know, so I'm walking up there and um, and he asked me when I got to the front, he said, can you draw a paramecium on the board? Now, in zoology lab, that had just been one of our homework assignments I turned in. And that's when I, I said, oh, he was so impressed by my paramecium that he wanted me to come up there and, you know, show these other C students how this is supposed to be done. Right. So I draw this paramecium and I draw it and I had these like squiggly lines and dots, you know, and all this stuff. When I, I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to brag, but it was, it was impressive, you know. Um, and I just imagined him, you know, never erasing it and getting other classes to come over and like check it out. And um, so while pointing at the paramecium, he turned, he asked me, he said, what is it you want to be? You know, what career path do you want to be? I said, I want to be a pediatrician. And, and while pointing at my paramecium, he polled the class, said, show of hands, how many of you all would send your kids to him if he was a per, uh, pediatrician? Yeah. So um, I found myself once again uh, deciding to pursue another career path. Um, and that's how I became a police officer. Uh, <laughs> um, that was cool. All that science stuff was behind me. Um, I did go back to school. You know, I got my degree. I graduated from Hopkins. Even now, when I wear the shirt, people are like, are you a doctor? Yeah. All right, Hopkins. Yeah. So I wear this shirt. They're like, you're a doctor? I'm like, hey, you know. <laughs> look, look, apparently, my paramecium wasn't, you know. But anyway, so um, all that was behind me, and, and life is good. I'm moving on. And, um, and then the pandemic happened. And they closed schools, and, and my kids end up taking virtual classes. And um, by default, I found myself being the uh, fifth grade 
science teacher. And my son hates science. I don't know where he gets that from. <laughs> um, and, but he's inquisitive, like me. Like, he, he, he's likely to ask, like, oh, why are rocks hard? You know, those type of questions. And I didn't want to be Sister Pat or that pig murderer and high school teacher <laughs> or, or the, that mean-ass college professor. Um, so I was forced to let go of my resentment that I had been harboring against science for probably way too long. Um, and in doing so, I came to the realization that science is amazing. I'm serious, like, you, it's never ending. You can, you can always learn. It's like on and on and on, you know? And, and like, am I smarter than a fifth grader? Uh, yeah, in science, you know? <laughs> like, did you know that Pangaea was the supercontinent for Wegener's theory of plate tectonics? It's just, it's crazy, right? You know, so, um, and so as a result, my son took a liking to it. Uh, it's actually one of his favorite subjects and he's doing extremely well in science. Um, then they went back to school so I'm like, oh, man. So now when he comes home, I'm like, you got any science homework? <laughs> you know, and we'll go through the book. You know, um, just the other day, it was so funny. He came in and he was like, hey, dad, he came in and he's like, you know what a creep meter is? I'm like, what? A creep meter. I'm like, oh, that's usually like like a woman's best friend that tells her <laughs> this guy. He's like, no, it's it's a it's a device they use. <laughs> It's a device they use to measure motion across or something. I was like, oh, what? So now I'm learning about creep meters, you know, and volcanoes and lava and all that cool stuff, you know. So um, they say it's never too late, you know. So you may go to your doctor's office one day and don't be surprised if you see Dr. Wade standing there. Uh, not me, my son. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That was Chris Wade. Chris Wade is a native Washingtonian and a retired police officer. Chris enjoys storytelling, laughter, traveling, and good food. He is a Johns Hopkins University graduate and currently works in community outreach. Okay, before we continue with today's episode, a couple reminders. We have shows coming up in New York, Vancouver, San Francisco, and more. Get your tickets and find out more at storycollider.org shows. We also have a special online show in partnership with the World Health Organization on January 26th that's totally in Spanish. Again, that's storycollider.org shows for more information. And if you would like to learn more about how to tell a science story, check out storycollider.org education. We offer private workshops both online and in-person for groups, and we offer public courses for individuals online as well. To get more updates and cool behind-the-story pictures and other awesome content, you should follow us on social media. We're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and now TikTok. Find us at Story Collider. And finally, if you're a fan of this podcast, and if you, like us, believe in the power these stories have to reveal the humanity behind science, to change our understanding of how science happens and to whom it belongs, please consider donating to the Story Collider at storycollider.org donate. Also, if you're tired of listening to ads on the podcast, you can also sign up to our Patreon at patreon.com slash thestorycollider. Our Patreon supporters receive an ad-free version of this podcast as well as occasional bonus episodes and other gifts. 
We are so grateful to our Patreon supporters and to everyone who helps make our work possible. Our second story is from Caroline Hu. It was recorded at the Turtle Swamp Brewery in Boston, Massachusetts in November 2022. The theme that night was Catalysts. When I was 17, my parents presented me with a choice. Either I could pursue science and have their support, or I could choose art and I would lose it. Now, my parents, they worshiped at the altar of American higher education. My dad was a mechanical engineer, a nerd through and through. My mom actually did sing and dance when she was younger, but her decision to become a systems control engineer was 100% pragmatic. And somehow they had me, and there's photographic evidence of me drawing even before I had hair. (laughs) And as I was growing up as a kid, no printer, paper, drawer was safe, because I drew on everything. And I was drawing planets and animals and dinosaurs. My mom tried to show me the wonderful world of engineering by bringing me to take your daughter to work days. And they would give us like little switches and buttons as swag to really try to convince us to become engineers. And at the end of every one of these days, we'd all have to gather and for the big group photo. And then they would go down the line and ask each one of us, what do you want to be when you grow up? And one year, I said scientist. One year, I said artist. And third year, I said, I don't know. <laughs> and the talking to I got on the car ride back home was the worst that year. And that was the last year she brought me. And now, 17 years old, I was both the president of the art club and the science club at school. Clearly, had not made a choice. but. Uh, I had to then, and I chose science. Nothing as practical as engineering, though. I became an evolutionary biologist. (laughs) Now, a decade later, I'm walking on the beach trying to catch mice. I'm I'm doing field work. And I get a text from my dad. And from those of you in the know, he was in China at the time. So it's actually a WeChat from my dad. And it said, doctors have found a growth on your mom's pancreas. She has four to five months to live. And we're coming to live with you in Somerville so that she can get treatment at Mass General. We'll be there in four days. And I, I mourned. I packed up my field equipment. And in four days, four of us were in my very typically sized Somerville apartment. (laughs) It was my parents, the two engineers, myself, the biologist, and my brother, who happened to also live in the area, who is a data scientist. And we're all problem solvers to a fault. But we realized that the problem we had to solve together was not cancer. That wasn't going to happen. Um, it was how to spend this time together that we, that we still had. 
And as the biologist, for once, my um, knowledge was actually kind of valued by my family, but unfortunately, I was just the source of no's. No, not that supplement. No, not that diet. No, not that predatory clinic. So just normal, horrible chemo it was. And the temperature was falling. My mom was going to chemo, and one evening she comes back, and she takes off her hat, and there it is in her hat. It's her hair. And very emotional, she sat down and, to our amazement, started to compose a poem called A Single Strand of Hair. And after that, she would continue to write. She started to write about her growing up in China, coming to the United States and trying to start a family and a career here. And I started to draw. And I drew a comic about a mother and daughter. It was very creative. A mother and daughter in sort of a sci-fi world, making medical decisions, and ultimately having a slightly happier ending of getting the precision medicine that I was reading about, but wasn't actually available to my mother. And this comic came out in a local anthology, so I had a physical comp copy, and I did not tell my parents about it. But it was in the apartment, and this is how I remember it. My brother showed it to my dad. <laughs> and I just remember him saying, my dad saying, Ping, which is my mom's name, look, it's you. And I got as far away as I could within a Somerville apartment, which is about 30 feet. I was in, I was all of a sudden, I was like, oh, I got to do laundry. And um, my mom, she came and found me. And I had not wanted to tell her because a final rejection would have just vaporized me, you know? <laughs> but instead, she found me, she's seen the comic, and she hugged me, and she told me that she loved me. She would continue to write, and we actually started to band together as a family to help make her writing become a memoir. So my dad became her editor. My data scientist brother became her archivist. And myself, with a little bit of illustrator skills, I helped design a book jacket and a cover. And her, that dream of hers did come true. She lived 17 months post her diagnosis, now a published author in China. And we are so lucky to have all that extra time with her. Now, five years has passed since then, and I'm wrapping up in the lab. I've also wrapped up two comic conventions. And now that I'm all grown up, I can revisit that dreaded question. I am a scientist, I am an artist, and I don't know exactly what's gonna be on my credit, my, my credit card, my business card <laughs> uh, next year. I know cartoonists will be on it, and I'm excited. Thank you. That was Caroline Hu. Caroline Hu studies the evolution of animal behavior at Harvard University. She has lived in the Midwest, California, and China, but like the salmon, 
is now drawn back to the area where she was born. She also draws comics inspired by other living things, from pitcher plants to those toads that carry their eggs in their back. Her dream project is to create a graphic novel inspired by her scientific training. A copy of its first chapter, which she self-published, is in the Library of Congress. The Story Collider is so grateful to Chris Wade and Caroline Hu for sharing their stories with us. The Story Collider is also very grateful for the support of Science Sandbox, a Simons Foundation initiative dedicated to engaging everyone with the process of science. This podcast is produced by Aaron Barker, executive director and co-founder of The Story Collider, managing producer Misha Gajewski, and senior podcast editor Jen Chen. Special thanks goes out to Story Collider's board and the rest of our staff, including managing director Anne-Marie Lonsdale, Science Advisory Fellow Edith Gonzalez, Education Director Lily B., and Operations Manager Lindsay Cooper, without whom none of this would be possible. The stories featured in today's episode were produced by Shane Hanlon and Miriam Zering Halam, and by Catherine Wu and Bart Thompson, respectively. Our theme music is by Ghost. Next week, we'll be back with more true personal stories about science. Until then, thanks for listening. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. 